You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. Hey, what's up? My name is Sean Siegwin, and I'm one of the pastors here at Refuge Community Church. We're so thankful that you decided to join us today, whatever day you decided to join us, because you can watch us any time of the week. Uh, and also, uh, just thank you for those who check us out regularly, and for those of us, for those of you who who this may be your first time, or maybe you've never done this before, would you please go uh, fill out the, the connection card? There's a link in the description of this video. Just go fill out the connection card so that we can connect with you and actually have a, a deeper relationship with you. We want to start a real relationship with you, help you get connected. We hope uh, that these these sermons are a helpful picture of of our who we are as a church, uh, but this is just a little piece of what we do. You know, We have community groups, and we have a lot to offer, so I, I hope that you would connect with us on a deeper level. Hey, and everybody, happy Thanksgiving week. Uh, man, I can't believe it is already here. The holidays are upon us, right? Uh, man, so I'm continuing in this sermon series on Jonah. Last week, uh, our lead pastor, Josh, touched on Jonah 1, verses 1 through 16. And if you remember, uh, and, and or if you know the story, you know that Jonah was called, he was a prophet who was called by God to go and to go to Nineveh, a place that uh, of a which is filled with a bunch of actually people who had done horrible, horrible things, uh, an oppressive, uh, horrible nation, honestly. And he was called to go and share the word of God so that they might find mercy so that they might find mercy. And Jonah is opposed to this. So he takes off running the opposite direction. He gets on a boat, right? He goes uh, to sleep, and then there's this giant storm, and all this stuff happens. And the sailors that are with him, they're not even um, believers in Yahweh, start crying out to their gods, and they tell him, go cry out to your God. And he's like, uh, and, and they find out that like, he's the one responsible for the storm, and he says, just Throw me into the sea. This will resolve the issue, right? So, this this is what uh, Jonah is doing. He's saying he's saying, "Throw me into the sea," and this is where we find ourselves in the narrative. It's the very last verse in chapter one. He said, "It says that the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights." So, this is where we're at. Jonah has been thrown off the ship. He's responsible for this great storm. This, there's been just a, a horrible mess that he's caused because of his rebellion and his running from God. And now he's sinking to the bottom of the ocean and a fish comes. God sends a fish to, to swallow him up. This is, this is where we're at in the story. And this is such a, a, an incredible moment. Man, when I'm reading this story... I'm thinking about this. I've been thinking about this scene from from. It's an old movie, so forgive me if you've never seen it, or if you're like, "Oh, that dates you." Know whatever. Uh, but Bruce Almighty, you know, Jim Carrey is like the lead character. He's this news anchor, loses his job, uh, and loses his girlfriend, and he's in this like miserable, miserable state. He's driving down the road, and he's angry. He's and he's blaming God. He has these prayer beads. He's like 
He's trying to pray. And, and he's saying, God, send me a sign. God, please send me a sign, anything, anything. And as he's driving, there's all these signs that are saying, you know, turn around, wrong way, go, caution, you know. And he keeps on driving. He slams into a pole, car wreck. And he just is so angry. He takes his prayer beads, which just represents the side of his faith. And he throws them off this bridge. And he's angry. And then all of a sudden, he gets this like pager, uh, Y'all remember pagers? I don't know if you do. I remember wanting one so bad as a kid. Anyway, pager, he gets this page. It's like a little notification that tells you uh, t- that tells you that this number is calling and that you can go and call them back because we did not have cell phones back then. And so he gets this pager number and he's like, I don't know you. And it actually happens to be God. And God keeps on paging him over and over and over. The, the point I'm getting at is Jonah is a lot like Jim Carrey in this story uh, or Bruce. And, and in that... Jonah is like on the like continuing to to destroy his life worse and worse and worse and worse and God is continually pursuing him over and over and over and over over again and so in the same way like Bruce has been pursued by God whether he sees it or not and he continues to destroy his life over and over again but God is pursuing Jonah in this intense way In fact, I would say that God is pursuing Jonah. A major part of this book is that God is pursuing Jonah as intensely as he is pursuing the Ninevites. Now, this whole idea uh, that that Jonah would go and jump off the edge uh, of the or be thrown off the edge of the boat this was this was his idea. This was something he told them to do, And, and. I, I get this picture that Jonah just was like, I just want to die. I don't want to, like, he didn't cry out to God, you know? And they throw him off the boat, and then our whole, we're going to be diving into chapter two, really, uh, looking at it a little bit more in- intensely. But what we see is in chapter two, verse one, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. And so we're about to get this 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 prayer that Jonah prays inside of the belly of this this great fish. But, I want to be be clear. I'm about to work through the text in a really odd way. I'm not going to work through it like I normally do where I go verse one, two, three, four, and work my way through it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to break up the prayer into actually uh, half verses and full verses. We'll go, we'll touch on everything, but I, what I want to do is draw out a few points. And the points that I'd like to draw out is, first of all, that Jonah is experiencing hell on earth. Second of all, uh, that Jonah has a lack of transformation. And thirdly, we're going to look at God's amazing grace. So these are actually, these are going to be my points for today, the things that I draw out. Hell on earth, lack of transformation, and, and God's amazing grace. And so in order to look at first at hell on earth, we're going to look at this part, portion of Jonah's prayer in verse verses 3, Check this out, 4A, uh, 56A, all right? So forgive me for breaking it all apart like this, but I, I think you'll see what I'm seeing when I, why I'm doing this as we go through it. So we're gonna look at these verses. Uh, they'll be on the, on the screen for you so you'll be able to, be able to watch as, as, we, as I read, okay? Uh, read along with me. Here we are, hell on earth. Here we go. Verse three, when you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. We're gonna skip to verse five now. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. 
verse 6a, <laughs> I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. What, the, what, what Jonah is praying gives us a, de- a, a really clear picture that he is just sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into this hell-like place. He's sinking deeper. And in fact, we see the whole narrative showing this picture. From the very beginning, instead of going to Nineveh, the way he was supposed to go, he he goes down to to Joppa, right? So he goes down to Joppa. Not only does he go down to Joppa, he goes down into the ship. He goes down into the ship, and then they cry out and all that, and he's thrown off the ship, and now he's going down into the waters. And not only is he going down into the waters, he's in not just in the depths of the water, he's in the belly of the of this fish. And also we saw, we'll see that he was in the belly of shale, it's how it's described. I mean, like he's going down deeper and deeper and deeper. And just so you know, the, the sea is this place where chaos exists. The, the ancient people feared the sea because they, they saw it as a place where, like, that was untamed. The, the, these like wild chaos monsters, you know, were after them. And so this idea of this big fish coming, it, it, it like, is for them would be this scary picture of, of the, this reality that, that uh, th- that the chaos that surrounds them is now engulfing Jonah, and in, and in fact taking him deeper and deeper into this place, and it describes this place with the bars, and it's like he's going into this holding tank, and and when we talk about Sheol, when he mentions Sheol, the idea is he's in the realm of the dead. Again, this is like hell on earth, and and what we see is is this this uh, giant fish, uh, which for them would have been just this chaos monster, right? You know, is dragging him deeper into uh, the into the 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 into hell, basically. That's what he's experiencing, and, and I've seen uh, actually there are horror movies based on 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 this idea of being dragged to hell, like literally being dragged to hell. But what we see here is he's experiencing this this insane thing where he's going deeper and deeper and deeper into uh, this this moment of of utter ruin, you know. Which he began when he went down to Joppa, when he went down into the ship. Like the the narrator wants you to get that 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 there's something that Jonah began that that he and even throwing himself saying throw me into the sea. He's going down, 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 and all of this is Jonah's fault. He's at work destroying himself. He goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And whether or not you have experienced this kind of like terrifying, life-threatening event, I think most of us have tasted the darkness that it, it, that is part of Jonah's experience. Most of us have tasted the the despair, uh, uh, the dread, the fear, the the terror. I mean, in, in small doses. Like, man, think about the fact like when you fail an exam for school, right? Like, there's a bit of that like darkness, that dread. But even further, man, you, you, get a, you get a job and you lose the job, there's darkness all around you. Maybe you've lost a spouse, you know, maybe you've lost a loved one, a friend, and you go into this place of depression. Maybe you struggle with, with mental illness that brings you back to that place regardless of how your life is. And you're dragged deeper and deeper and deeper into this dark, dark pit. 
And what I think we can take away from from what Jonah's doing here, even though I do not think he's a great example in any other way uh, throughout the story, what we do see him do that is he does well is he cries out to God, he laments out loud. This is this is the the beautiful thing about what Jonah is doing when he begins to cry out to God. When he, when he says, you know, your, your, your waves and your breakers crash over me, what he's doing actually is there, it seems to be a bunch of references to a bunch of different psalms, uh, these like dread psalms or lament psalms or whatever. He's crying out about the brokenness that he's experiencing, and he's just like telling God how horrible it is. For Jonah, it's literally this bad. Like it's, it's really, really bad, and may, maybe he's over, over, I don't know if he's overshooting that. I think if I were being eaten by a fish, I'd be be feeling like this is the end of the world, you know. But ultimately, what he does in his despair is he cries out to God. He cries out to God. He wanted to go. He wanted. I think he wanted to die. I don't think he wanted to go back to Nineveh. But what he didn't want to do is be swallowed by a, a sea monster. You know what I mean? Like he didn't want to be take, like taken, like he, he thought, I'll just drown. That's good. But man, imagine being swallowed by this, this fish, right? And so he's terrified. He's not in the position he wanted to be in. And he starts screaming out to God, God, save me. I mean, he prays this beautiful, eloquent prayer um, in this, this sea creature. Who knows if it was perfectly crafted like this, but we know that Jonah was crying out to God in this fish, right? And and as he does this, as he does this, it seems like he's drawing from the Psalms. And in the same way that he cries out to God in his darkest moment, we know Jesus cried out to God on, on the cross. He said, oh God, uh, you know, why have you forsaken me? God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when Jesus did that, he's praying the Psalm, he's lamenting. This is a common feature. The Hebrew, the Hebrew people would have known these psalms. These would be things they come together in the temple and they'd be able to lament together and pray these prayers out loud together. They'd be able to pr- sing psalms of thanksgiving together. And so these are things that that, that uh, Jonah is familiar with and he seems to be drawing from these psalms. Similar, similar to like when you go through a really rough moment, maybe you go through a really bad breakup. I remember I went back through a bad breakup, uh, you know, a few times. And I remember those moments in the car where that song in the radio turns on and it just like hits me and I'm like weeping, you know, and I'm like barely able to drive. I got to pull over, you know? Um, and, and I remember those moments and realizing, you know, Hey, this person knows my pain and this person is on the other side of pain, right? In the same way, the Hebrew people could look at the, the, the Psalms and they could cry out with the psalmist. They could say things like what the psalmist was saying or quote the psalmist exactly. And it was almost like this, this, this David went through what I'm going through. He, he experienced the kind of darkness I'm going through. He experienced something much darker and on the other side. He ended up on the other side. There's hope because they know that the end is not there. Like they know that David was rescued. You know, there's there's hope on the cross. Jesus knows there's hope when he's there in his darkest hour. He knows that there's hope because because he can look not only you know, not only to those in the past, but he can also trust in his God. Right. And, and this is this is kind of what it seems like Jonah is doing. He's crying out to God, and and I think what we need to take away from this is we need to be honest about our darkness, 
Be honest about the situations we're in. Go find a psalm uh, of lament when you go through difficult times and, and, and re- just find your, like connect with the psalms in that way. That's a great way to connect with the word of God. Lament with David and, and you know, know that Christ also laments with you. And so when we go through these dark moments, when you're in the darkest pit of your life, when you feel like you're going down, 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 when you feel like you're experiencing hell on earth, you can begin to cry out to God in all honesty, even if your, your cries are like hyperbolic, even if you are saying the most ridiculous things like, I'm gonna die, and you know like in reality, like you just are miserable. You know, you're emotionally miserable. Either, it doesn't matter. God hears your prayers. He hears your heart. These lament psalms give us hope that we are able to just cry out to him from the depths of our brokenness and our pain, and he's gonna hear us, and we know that we have a God who, who will carry us through to the other side. And so Jonah is experiencing hell on earth, and when we are there, we should follow his example in crying out to God. But as we see in some of these other verses, Jonah sets an example that may look good on the outside, but in reality is lacking, uh, lacking something very important. I think he lacks transformation. I think he lacks transformation. All right, we're back to our split up verses. Are you ready? We're going to be reading verses 2, 4b, 6b, and 7 through 9. All right. Hope you can follow. All right, it'll be on the screen. You're good. I called to the Lord. Oh, this is a lack of transformation is where we're at. I called to the Lord in my distress and he answered me. I cried out for, um, for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. And then after talking about being banished from God's sight, he, sa- he says, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. And after talking about being in, in this, like these bars forever, then you raised me from then you raised my life from the pit lord my god as my life was fading away i remembered the lord and my prayer came to you to your holy temple those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love but as for me i will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving i will fulfill what i have vowed salvation belongs to the lord notice first of all like jonah has this like serious confidence that he's going to be saved. He's he's speaking in in almost the whole time speaking in past tense as if he's already been saved. He, he he's like you you uh, you answered me like as if it's already done. I cried out for help. You heard my voice. You know I mean and then he has this like I will look you know I will uh, look once more toward your holy temple. He sees himself going to Jerusalem. He has so much confidence that he's gonna be saved. There's this like, just I I know what the outcome of this is gonna be and it's gonna be my good. It's gonna be my rescue. Now this, this could be a good thing, right? Like confidence in God is a healthy thing. To trust that God is gonna bring us through dark moments is a healthy thing. But remember, he's basically he's basically referring to a bunch of these psalms. I'm gonna actually, we're gonna put, I would, right now, there are gonna be all the psalms uh, that that he's he seems to be referring to or echoing or has like a hint of. Man, I'm gonna have these on the screen. Just write them down, all right? Write these psalms down. Go back and look at them and compare them to Jonah, all right? So, Write these psalms down. I'll leave them on for a second. 
write them down, compare them, and look at how Jonah seems to be praying all of these psalms of thanksgiving, all of these psalms of like rescue, like all of these things where he's praising God and he's trusting in this like future hope, which seems really healthy. But what we notice, what I what I notice is there's one thing lacking in all of the psalms that he quotes. There is not one psalm of repentance. There's not one psalm of repentance. Jonah is like, thank you, you're gonna save me. You know, this is gonna be awesome. I'm gonna be okay. I know it's gonna be great. I was rescued, you know, it's all good. Jonah has this confidence, but no repentance at all. Not only is there no repentance in his heart, the last verse, or the last two verses, he says, those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice with a voice of thanksgiving. Jonah still has this heart that thinks he is better than others. Even in this prayer where he is in a place of despair and this pit of this this pit of death, he's still talking about how he's better than these other people, whoever they are, these idol worshipers. Maybe he's thinking about the, those in Nineveh, thinking, oh, I'm not like them, and if God's going to rescue them, he'll definitely rescue me. You know, And, and so he, he's crying out, but he hasn't repented, and he's talking about how much better he is than all of those other people, right? I mean, he's, he, he's praying all of, like, really, like, from the heart of so many psalms, and he misses an opportunity for heart change. He's like, yeah, God's going to save me. I mean, I'm not like all of those idol worshipers. God's going to save me. He's going to say, if he's going to save Nineveh, he'll save me, right? But no repentance at all. He, he feels like he doesn't, his confidence doesn't seem to be as much in God's love and grace and goodness and power as much as it is in his his feeling that he doesn't deserve to be in this bad of a place because he's better than someone else. This this uh, actually has me thinking of, uh, of another movie. I got two movie uh, quote or examples for you. Sorry, uh, Queen Latifah's uh, movie uh, Last Holiday. She finds out uh, she's gonna. She has three weeks to live. And in this one scene, she's at church and she just starts crying out to God. She's like, why God, why God? You know, and, and she starts singing this song and this song comes from her heart and it's like, I, I did all these right things. I did this, I did this. I didn't do this like my sister did. I did, you know, and she starts comparing herself to other people. Why me, why me? And there's this sense of like this, we oftentimes go through pain and difficulties and oftentimes we can see ourselves going, but why me? Like, I'm not, I haven't done anything that bad. I haven't, I'm not, I haven't been like this person or like that person. I, I, I go to church. I, I pay my tithe and offerings, you know. I, I do all of these things. Why am I going through this dark, dark moment? We feel like we don't deserve the broken darkness that we experience. Whether you deserve the darkness or not, this is not a time when you go through these difficult and dark moments. This is, these are not times to look at, at yourself as not deserving and, and think of yourself too highly of that and just be like, God, I don't deserve this. Come on, come on. It's okay to cry out to God and to say the things you really feel about that. I, that's all right. 
But when it comes down to reality, like when, when you are truly seeking God, eventually you need to get to the place of some heart introspection to go look inwardly and go, okay, God, for real, not just like, why me? Like, I don't deserve this, but why me? What is, go- is there something in me that I need to work through? Right? Do I need to be honest about this thing or that thing? Like, what what idol do you want to work out of my life? Don't miss an opportunity, whether or not, whether or not you deserve this dark moment. No matter what it is, there's these dark moments. This this like hell on earth are opportunities for heart transformation. Don't miss those. God is gonna use. God can use these things for your good if you lean into Him and trust in Him. Not trusting in your own uh, in your own righteousness. Not not saying, oh, you know, I I don't deserve that. I'm good, you know. But but leaning into Him. Not, not even stepping back and being like, you know, I know this is going to end okay. Like, I, like, kind of just, I can ignore the the difficulty that I'm experiencing because I can just trust that it's going to be okay because I know that I don't deserve this and and God won't let anything horrible happen to me. You know, like instead of that, like let's use these dark moments and say, God, is there something you want to teach me through this? God, is there something you want to show me about my own heart that is broken? This is what Jonah needed to do. He needed to turn to God and say, what, what is, is broken in me? And he doesn't do that. Jonah is a man who struggles with control. Jonah is a man who struggles with hatred of the other. Jonah is a man who has all kinds of things that need to be worked out. And instead of leaning into God and allowing this dark moment to transform his heart, he stays unrepentant and he continues to compare himself to other people to lift himself up and feel better about himself. I know that I know that some people would look at the prayer and say, like, this is a genuine prayer. God rescued him because of this. And I'm going to say, I don't think God rescued him because of this prayer. I think God rescued him physically because he's still at work to rescue his heart. God was like, okay, if this isn't going to transform you, I'm going to give. I'm not going to let you die here. I'm going to trans. I'm going to get you out of this situation so that I can rescue your heart. God literally is moving heaven and earth to get a hold of this man's heart. Literally, the storms are raging, the fish are being moved, the the sailors are telling him to cry out. The boat is like going to break apart, and and all the while, like Jonah's experiencing heaven and earth moving, being taken, dragged down to hell, and he still is not being moved in. God is at work to rescue this man's heart, not just his his life. And so I believe this is where we see, again, God's amazing grace. This is our third point, God's amazing grace. And we see this in verse 10, God's amazing grace. Verse 10, then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. Man, this is so beautiful here. Jonah doesn't deserve this salvation. Jonah is the one who said, throw me into the ocean. And I genuinely believe it was because he did not want to go to Nineveh still. He, why didn't he cry out for mercy? Why didn't he repent right there on the boat? Instead of repenting there on the boat, he says, throw me into the water. He gets thrown into the water and God sends a fish to catch him, right? And in the fish, he, he doesn't repent still. Like, Jonah puts himself in this situation, and yet God's amazing grace and amazing love continues to, to run after God's, uh, after Jonah's heart. 
this disobedient prophet is missing the whole, like a major part of this journey is 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 to change his heart. God is after the the, the nations, like non non Jewish people. God is after their hearts, and at the same time, God is after Jonah's heart. And, and and Jonah seems to just be missing this whole thing. He seems to be confident in himself. Ultimately, his he believes that his salvation is based in his worthiness. And Jonah starts to look a lot like the Pharisee uh, in the parable in, in Luke 18. I want to read that, that passage. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. Luke 18, 9 through 14. He says... Jesus says this, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get, but but the... (laughs) But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. God is at work to humble Jonah and Jonah is being crushed under the weight because he will not humble himself. Over and over and over, and he thinks he's going to save himself. He thinks he's more righteous than these others. His prayer has revealed, uh, it seems to me, it has revealed his own brokenness, even still in his heart, even still in his prayer. And he's rescued not because of anything he's done, whether he realizes it or not yet, He's rescued not because of anything he's done or how great he is or how much better he is than these Ninevites or whatever. He's rescued because of God's great grace. And and when we think about this reality of how broken Jonah still seems to be, and then you compare it to every other thing in this story, everything else, everyone else in this story is, is, is obedient to God's command. Jonah is not. Jonah is running from God, but but the sailors are crying out to God. The sailors end up making a, a vow to God, like, and they begin to make a, a sacrifice to God, and they worship Yahweh. The sailors worship Yahweh, and and Jonah is being, and Jonah just won't, doesn't even, uh, doesn't even repent. You know, Jonah doesn't go, plan on going to Nineveh. The, the ship you know, is being broken apart by a storm that God commanded. God is commanding the, the, the seas and the sky to do something, and the seas and the sky are responding properly. The fish goes to him because God sent the fish, and here he commands. This is where it becomes very clear. He commands for the fish to spit him out, and the fish does it. Even this fish, this monster sea creature, whatever it is, even this fish is, is, uh, is more obedient than Jonah. I think this is drawing out the difference between this man's heart and and uh, and and all of these other things, showing how broken and rebellious this man is, and yet, in order not just to say how bad he is and to make fun of him, but also to show how big God's grace is. 
God's grace is big enough for Nineveh, but it's also big enough for a rebellious prophet. One who says, I, I, I worship the God of, of creation of heaven and earth. I, I, that's who I worship. One who says that, but does not obey his command. Even that person who's supposed to be in relationship with God and has rejected him, even that person has grace available to them. Not just the, the, the sinner who does not know God, who God's reaching after, out, to, out to. Even the man who, who is supposed to know the right thing to do and to be worshiping and following with his whole life, even that person who's in disobedience and rebellion, God is after his heart. This is the amazing grace of God that your salvation is not based in in what you do or what you don't do or whether you're better or worse than somebody else, but your salvation is based in God and Christ and his grace. That is what is happening here. That is the beauty of what God is doing in in the book of Jonah. We get to see the amazing grace of God regardless of the brokenness in this man. Man, and I think about this, this beautiful connection point that Jesus makes when Jesus talks about his own death and resurrection, Jesus says that as Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth, right? Like Jesus recognizes the depths of brokenness and, and the, the place of death that, that Jonah went to, the kind of darkness that Jonah entered and the, the, the length of time that he entered that, de- you know, that darkness, and Jesus says, as, as, as horrible and as deep and dark as Jonah was experiencing, I will experience that as well. I will experience that as well. There, there is something so beautiful about this. What Jesus is doing when he says he's going to enter that grave, he enters the deepest, darkest place that anyone ever could possibly enter for the, the full three days to say, like, I am entering that broke, the most broken situation possible, and I come to redeem. The most broken place can be redeemed. The most broken person can be redeemed. Jesus saying the, that just as the, the Jonah and the fish for three days and three nights, I, so I will be in, in this dark darkness as well. Jesus is saying, I'm going to those deep, dark places. I am willing to go uh, to, to hell and back to save you. That's how far God's love is reaching. That's the amazing grace that Jesus offers us. In our darkest moments, Jesus comes to our rescue, not because of what you've done, not because of what I've done, not because of what uh, we are better or worse than anybody else. We are not saved because we're more humble than someone else or better than someone else. We are saved because of God's great grace, because Jesus came and entered those dark places of our hearts in order to rescue us and redeem us. There's, um, there's a really famous uh, quote from uh, Gregory uh, Nanzianzen. Uh, he proclaimed this. He said, what has not been assumed has not been healed. What has not been assumed has not been healed. And the idea is that by assuming flesh, by becoming human, he comes to heal humanity. And the same way, like by entering into death, by assuming death, He comes to heal us from death. There is a sense that Jesus did all of these things. Regardless of the fact that that Jonah is going through hell on earth 
and he has a lack of heart transformation, God's grace is still remains. He's still after Jonah's heart. No matter how far he runs, he's, he, God's like, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not going to let you starve to death here in this fish. I'm not going to let you die at the bottom of the ocean. I'm going to have you spit out so that I can continue to work on your heart. And we, we will see in the next few chapters how God continues to work on his heart as he's on mission to rescue this, this other people. God is on mission, like in, in individual hearts and in nations. It's incredible. I love the story of Jonah. This is, this is what we're seeing, that in the darkest places, God can bring great comfort because we can trust in him, not in our own righteousness, not in ourselves. As we, as we look inwardly and we say, like, look for opportunities uh, to be transformed ourselves, but God is, is at work to, to rescue us and transform us. And so don't, don't despise the darkness in your life, the brokenness in your life. God wants to rescue you from it, but ultimately what he's more care he cares more about your character than your comfort, you know? Like he cares more about your your total trust in him than he does uh, about your your uh you being comfortable in that moment. Thank God that he does not stop pursuing us. I, this makes me think of Romans uh, 8, verses 38 through 39. Romans 8, 38 through 39, where Paul says, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is chasing after us. This is like that uh, reckless love kind of picture that God is going after us. He leaves the 99. He, he's going to knock down every wall and tear down every lie and climb up every mountain. His love is so deep, and he's going to dive into the deepest, darkest pit to rescue us. God is after you and after your heart. If you have not trusted in Jesus, I, I would say know this, that God loves you so dearly that he has, he has died on the cross. He sent his son to die on the cross and enter into the deepest levels of, of brokenness and darkness that you could ever imagine in order to rescue you. God loves you. Place your trust in Jesus. I'm gonna close out with just a couple of quick applications. First of all, Rest in the fact uh, that even this disobedient prophet uh, who refuses to repent has received grace, that God is go- God's grace is amazing. Rest in the fact that God's grace is amazing. It's bigger than we could imagine. You could trust that God has grace for you in whatever situation you are experiencing. No matter how dark, no matter how easy your life may feel, God has grace for you. No matter how broken you are, or no, no matter how unbroken you think you are, God has grace for you. And secondly, seek opportunities to allow God to work on your heart. Don't miss an opportunity for that to happen. I know it, it may be, be easy to, to, to just cry out God, for God to just get you out of this, rescue you from this broken situation, but don't ever miss the opportunity. You can be honest, share with him all how miserable you are and how horrible it is, but, but also don't miss that opportunity to look inward and say, okay, God, what can you do to transform me in this moment? What are some things that you wanna work out of me in this moment? Even though I, whether I deserve this situation or not, what do you wanna do in me through this situation? I'm going to close with a word of prayer, and then we are going to, uh, we'll go to a time of worship. We'll come back, and I'll give the benediction. God, thank you so much for your amazing grace. 
Thank you that you are chasing after Jonah in a way that reveals to us how much you love us. This hard-headed prophet who just doesn't seem to get it, you're still at work to rescue him as you go to rescue the rest of the nations. God, you love us. You love everyone so much. You desire that no one should perish. Your desire is for our good. And so I I pray that we would recognize the amazing grace that you have to offer, that we would receive it fully, and that uh, that we would trust in you all the more every day in the midst of our darkest situations, in the midst of our best days. Help us to trust you more and more. Thank you, God, for your pursuing amazing love and grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. 